Welcome to our podcast today. Today we're talking about creativity and thank you for joining us, Ryan. Ryan, you're an expert in uh, creativity and been doing this for about 10 years. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, sir. Ryan, creativity, it's very much a sought after skill in organizations today. We're seeing, I guess, three or so sought after skill, creativity, innovation, and adaptability as the, the big three that we want to have, both in the candidates as well as in the processes in the organization themselves. And creativity follows the three-step process, really thinking about a problem to a level that we really understand all its nuances and letting that subconscious mind take over, you know, go off and play foosball, whatever it might be. And then once a basic idea has entered our consciousness, then exploring it in more detail and bringing it forward that sounds as if it's a methodology, but it really doesn't get into the, the process of creativity and, and how we can more standardize it. It sounds almost ad hoc. How can we create an, an, an environment in which creativity is more certain, that we know that if we follow this process, we'll try and get something out the other side rather than just leaving it as an ad hoc approach? Yeah. So for me, I find that, you know, when working with businesses, individuals, uh, nonprofits, pretty much anybody, um, their, their process of getting into that creative state, um, is always going to be at least a little bit different, but at least the, the process of that, that I've found can be something that once you as an individual know what, steps that you can take to get into that creative flow state, um, that it's something that you can systematize. And a lot of people I find they think about creativity, like it's something that is either, you know, doled out from, uh, you know, from birth or whenever, whenever you're just, you know, in this kind of magical state of inspiration that just these ideas fall out of the sky. But I find that there's there's a lot of practical things that you can do to cultivate it and get into that creative state and i would i would um i would say that flow state um the that state of mind where it seems like you know you can get so much more done in a shorter period of time the ideas just come to you naturally um that that space whenever you're not worried about what time it is, you're not checking your phone. Um, that kind of state of mind is where I find that most creative ideas happen. And so for me, I'm always trying to figure out how can we create an environment that fosters creativity. And so um, I know that a lot of people, myself included, certain types of music will um, help me get into that space a lot faster. So whether it's classical music, it, at least for me, it has to be music that doesn't have lyrics because I don't want to be um, thinking about what the words are to the song or something like that when I'm trying to either, you know, work on a blog post or a website or, you know, build something creative. I'm not wanting to be thinking about, you know, lyrics to a song or something, but a lot of it um, as it pertains to like company culture or things of that sort, I think that if companies and company owners can really pay more attention to communicating with their employees and talking with them about how to get them into a internal state of rest, because that, that aspect of creativity, the ability to 
rest in the moment and stay focused on what you're doing without distraction is at least for me, very, very important. And I have to, I'll like turn off my phone. I'll turn off all my notifications. I'll put some music on and I have to almost get in like a meditative state for creativity to flow much more naturally. And so any way that you can cultivate that for your employees or yourself, whether you're trying to, you know, write a novel or build a business or something. Um, I'm all about the whole 80, 20 principle where it's like, you know, what's the 20% of the work that I do that's going to get me 80% of my results. And when it comes to creativity, I find that there's a handful of things like, you know, setting up your environment with no distractions, setting up some music, making sure you're well rested, making sure that, you've exercised, eaten a good meal, things that are very, very basic if we just kind of think about it. But a lot of people, especially in our always on, always connected society, they they probably just don't think about those things. Ryan, when you mentioned flow, we've seen the word flow used in uh, different ways in different kinds of industries. For example, in, in video games, flow often describes a situation in which mind and body are aligned and tuned to each other so that so that the stimuli input that's coming in visually or through the audio channel from the video game is being instantly processed and our reactions are being instantly dispersed through the controller. So mm -hmm. there's a real connection between the stimuli, our thought processes, and then our physical movements. Is that how you describe flow in the creative sense as well? Yeah, I would say that um, for me, flow is... The flow state is whenever uh, I could probably describe it with examples better than um, a definition. I would say uh, as a musician myself, I um, I have found that when sometimes whenever I'll sit down to the piano or the guitar or something, um, I will I'll feel mentally stuck. Um, for me, flow is a lot more about how I'm feeling as I'm trying to produce or create something. Um, I would, I would agree with you that it's, it's also, you know, whenever you're playing a video game and, and you're just really zoned in and really, really focused. Um, and when it comes to creativity, um, especially if I'm like trying to, to work on a book or work on a blog post or something like that, um, if I'm not in flow state, I will sit there and stare at the cursor blinking and I will feel like you know, despite the fact that I've been writing for 10 or 15 years, I'll feel, I'll have that feeling like, what's the use? This is stupid. I don't have any ideas coming to me. Um, so for me, flow state is a lot about getting into that state of mind where ideas just flow naturally. And so it's like, I, ha I can have the idea and almost immediately produce it. So I would say that, you know, yeah, it is very similar to um, the the description that you gave as it pertains to like video games and things of that sort. Ryan, when you were giving your description on preparing oneself for the creative process, that sounded very much for the individual. What about for the team environment? How do we create, how do we replicate what you suggest about, you know, a good meal exercise, uh, removal from distractions? How do we create that so that the team is ready to be creative? I think a lot of it really has to do with the company culture. And that's not necessarily, that's definitely not something that is going to um, happen overnight. It's something that you have to be intentional about cultivating as the business owner 
and with your leadership team to figure out, okay, it's, it's continuing to be proven more and more in all kinds of research and human psychology that, and neuroscience that whenever you're well rested and whenever you are, um, taking better care of your mental and physical health, that overall you're more productive and you're more productive faster. And so I'm always trying to encourage business owners to think about that whenever they're doing something as, as simple as, you know, how do we set up our workplace? How do we set up our office? Is the office set up in a way where it's easy for people to distract one another? Um, and those distractions, that constant switching back and forth of, okay, I'm focused on this project. I'm focused on, you know, creatively producing whatever it is that I'm making, whether you're programming or, you know, doing graphic design or whatever it is. Um, it's that task switching that gets you out of that creative flow state. And so in a lot of company environments, um, unless they, unless the employees have, a space to themselves, um, especially in like open office settings, it's very, very easy for them to get distracted. And so I, I am a big advocate of making it a point to, um, set up environments in a way where they can have, they can shut the door if they want to, that they can, excuse me, that they can actually have that space to think to themselves and work uninterrupted. I think that that's hugely important. Ryan, how do we know that a creative process is underway? We, we might be seeing ideas and, you know, somebody might come up with an idea which is a derivative of what's currently being done or maybe something that they've seen elsewhere and maybe just something that's a, a variance or a derivative of what's already been done is one type or one level of creativity, how do we measure it in, along the lines, for example, something that's radical, that's never been tried before, and the organization does not have any learning capability around it? Maybe that's a, a radical uh, innovation or, or idea. How do, you, how do we first know that an idea is creative? And secondly, how do we know that the process that we're using is, is uh, going to has a chance of producing something creative. I think that ultimately that would have to depend on the kinds of goals and the results that the company is seeking in the first place. Um, So for example, um, something along the lines of the invention of the iPhone, um, I would say that that was a, a groundbreaking and very, you know, creative invention and very innovative in the way that we, look at everything because not all that long ago, if you wanted to shoot video and, um, you know, take photos and do, uh, internet browsing and all these other things, you had to have a whole bunch of different devices. And so it took Apple coming along and putting together the mm-hmm. iPhone to put all of those ideas into one. And so I think when it comes to figuring out, you know, how do you know if an idea is, is revolutionary and and groundbreaking and creative. Um, A lot of it really boils down to is how do we, how do we look at things that we already use in an everyday way and look at them in a new way? How do we take already existing ideas and combine them? Um, I think that that's one, uh, one definite way that 
we can make sure and measure that an idea is creative. So for example, um, you know, a, a thought exercise that I like to do different times is looking at everyday objects in my environment and just meditating on how could I combine these and create a new product out of them. So for example, you know, how could I combine the idea of a paperweight, a guitar, and a coffee mug? And, you know, even just saying that, it's like immediately your subconscious goes to work trying to combine these ideas. And it sounds ridiculous and it probably would create a ridiculous product, but it's one of those thought exercises that you can do as a company and as just an individual even to start getting yourself into that state of mind where you're not looking at things as they are. You're trying to think about things as they could be. Right. If we go back to this idea of, of evaluating creative output, mm-hmm. if we think of the iPhone, the ramifications of the iPhone may not have been well understood at the time. If we go back to the way it was, let's say 15, uh, I think it was a dozen or so years ago, it was a much simpler device, a software platform, which we could easily envisage would change over time as more capability came along. But the impact on society and the way it's used, how it's changed our behaviors may not have been well understood. And therefore, I'm thinking in terms of some of our creative output, how do we evaluate a creative output when we may not understand exactly its implications or how it may play out or perhaps even some of the nuances of implementation if we think of, you know, a creative output could be something simpler like, we change a design of a product and it's pretty obvious what its implications are going to be from a cost point of view or supply chain management point of view. Mm-hmm. But if we come up with a, a real radical innovation, it's sometimes more difficult to understand its ramifications. How do we, how do we recognize that we're in that kind of situation and evaluate it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And it's something honestly that keeps me up at night a lot um, is, is, just thinking about the, I mean, even from the standpoint of uh, transportation, you know, we, we, uh, at least for me, I grew up watching Star Trek and um, you know, a lot of sci-fi things and thinking about, wow, it would be, it would be great to have flying cars and all these other things. But it's like, if everyone had flying cars, then we're not thinking about the impact necessarily that that's going to have on the air quality and, you know, all of the different things down the line. And so I think that ultimately, um, unfortunately, there's really no way to completely predict how our ideas will be, um, how they'll be received as well as necessarily the long-term effects of them because we're all, kind of experiencing time in this linear fashion and trying to figure things out as we go. Um, I think that companies, especially nowadays need to be a lot more intentional about thinking about the long-term effects of the, um, the products and services that they're creating and putting out into the world. Like how is this going to affect our culture and our society 10, 15, 20 years from now? How is this going to affect our environment in the future, is this adding to the problem of you know pollution, or is this subtracting from these global problems? I think that those are all things that um, 
much more now than ever because of the way everyone's so connected online and, and the, the shifting cultural values and things of that sort. I think that companies really need to be having those hard questions with their leadership teams and their shareholders and recognizing that maybe short-term profits up front are not worth sacrificing long-term sustainability and longevity. That certainly broadens the evaluation criteria that we we would traditionally have looked at. For example, in the past, it would have been just short-term profits or reduction in expenses were the kinds of things that organizations were looking at. And as you suggest, we're now at the point in which we can look at much more broader impacts. And that suggests, in my mind, perhaps that there's a change in creativity itself. In the past, we may have had simple constraints or parameters around creativity that we want to do something faster or we want to have an incremental product functionality increase. You're suggesting, I think, that creativity should be linked to much broader, much more subjective goals. And that, I imagine, ripples back to the creative process itself because we have to start thinking more broader in terms of what are the solutions, where can information come from, what are the analytical techniques or other techniques to derive those solutions. It must be that you're seeing in organizations, you know, we, we use the cliche of thinking outside the box that now we're thinking way outside the box. Yeah. And as a, as an example to that, to your point, um, I spoke with, um, there was a, a group that came to my hometown here and was speaking about the implications of blockchain technology in um, the agriculture industry. And the name of the event was blockchain and blueberries. And they were, um, I think they were from Intel or Hewlett Packard, one of the two. And they were talking about how a uh, technology that they were working on with sensors and blockchain was helping blueberry farmers um, be more intentional about tracking their blueberries through the supply chain. So all the way from you know, them growing the blueberries to the blueberries arriving at their final destination, whatever store they were going to be selling them in or whatever farmer's market or whatever. And so because of these sensors and this technology that they're working on, they were able to see almost in real time, oh, you know, crate number 127 of these blueberries just dropped two degrees and it dropped two degrees in, you know, Portland, Oregon at this particular location. And they're able to track it down to, oh, that happened because the truck driver opened the, the freezer door. And so, you know, those kinds of very minute details, they're able to then take that data and make better decisions on how to make sure that their product arrives more intact with less loss, with less product getting spoiled because of the travel time and things like that. Um, And so there's so many vast implications in ways that we can think out, you know, like you said, way outside the box on how to take all of the resources that we as a culture have at our, literally at our fingertips and, you know, leverage that to improve our product, improve our service, improve the quality and uh, as well as quantity of what we're producing and to do so in a way that is more sustainable and more intentional for the long term. 
Ryan, as we come to the end of our podcast there, do you have a quick takeaway for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, the, and I, I have this written really, really big on, my, on a whiteboard next to my drafting table. Um, you will not overcome your struggles by focusing on all the problems that you're dealing with. Flow state and rest is the key to creating the solutions that you seek. That sounds like a good way to summarize. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Ryan, and talking about creativity, how we can systemize that and put some metrics around it. Absolutely, sir. Thank you. 